Ten years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of going on pilgrimage to France. Included was a two-night stay in Lourdes with numerous visits to the holy site. Now, at this pre-COVID point, the baths were open. I'll tell you my rather humorous experience in the baths coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life and happy Friday to you. You may be off meat for this Lenten Friday, but we've got some grade A spiritual beef for you right here in the form of top-notch spiritual direction. And I'm your host, Patrick Conley. As part of our pilgrimage to Lord, my wife and I opted to visit the baths. I joined the men's line and snaked my way into an antechamber of sorts where a small group of men were preparing for their individual visit to the bath on the other side of a small curtain. As I disrobed and readied myself through prayer, I couldn't help but notice that with each man who went through the curtain a minute or two later, I would hear an audible, albeit masculine, groan coming from the other side. And I was thinking to myself, wow. This must be an exceptionally moving experience, as each of the bathers who went in before me were, I imagined, so moved that they were crying out. Well, then came my turn. The assistants at the bath led me in and then dunked me in the bath. And suddenly, I knew. The men before me may well have been having moving spiritual experiences, but I'm guessing the reason they cried out was not from spiritual ecstasy, but rather owing to the fact that the water was ice cold. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right, about having a physical faith, one that incorporates the full person, body and soul, as we do as Catholics. I mean, the sacramentals we utilize on a regular basis serve as spiritual aids in our journey with Christ. And far from being idolatrous, they are actually rooted in the incarnation of Christ himself. Now, speaking personally, I've loved this physical aspect to my faith that has been so prevalent since my wife and I came into the Catholic Church. So, bring on the ice-cold water. Today on the program, we're talking about sacramentals. What are they? Why do you use them? And how can they help you grow in your relationship with the Lord? Joining us as our spiritual director today is Father Tim Wichiscala, the pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Father Tim, welcome back to The Inner Life. Well, thank you very much for having me back. Good to be back, Patrick. Oh, I'm excited to be talking about this with you today, Father. What What is a sacramental? As we start, I guess let's just get that down first. Yeah, so I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of ways you can define a sacramental, but most basically it's anything that we have, you know, in our church um, that is something which engages us, and as you said, physically in our senses or something that we're able to that we're able to do as a sort of spiritual practice that gives us access to God's grace. Mm-hmm. And we we differentiate them from the sacraments with a capital S as the seven. Uh, so sacramentals are basically anything else, any other practice or devotion or, um, you know, way that we engage our faith other than the big seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And now, like I, I intimated anyway in my open, that uh, this is rooted in an incarnational understanding of the faith, is it not? Of course. Yeah, because, again, it's our understanding that God's grace is given to us, mediated to us through, you know, through these things of the world that we engage with, you know, be they, Mm -hmm. as you said, be the, 
if it's the waters of Lourdes or the rosary in our hands or the image that we're looking at, you know, that God is giving us grace through these practices and things that the church has given us so that we can access it each and every day. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to me that God would indeed choose. I mean, it's. I, I guess it's not odd, but it's interesting that uh, God would choose to use physical objects to reveal himself and to draw us more closely to him. Yeah, you know, and I think it's a big part of why God created anything outside of himself in the first place. Hmm. You know, as we hear in Genesis, everything that God created, he He said was good. And therefore anything, you know, that that is created by God or by extension by us, you know, as God's creatures can be means through which we can access God. I think it's hmm. a part of our understanding of the goodness of the world and the goodness of creation itself. Right, right. And there raises a question for me, too, Father. I know that uh, coming from a Protestant tradition myself and knowing that some of our Protestant brothers and sisters do look upon some of these things as, I don't know if they go all the way to idolatrous, but they'd say maybe misguided in terms of the usage of these things. But um, again, just to emphasize and underscore that this comes from a what we might call a sacramental worldview. And I think that that difference may reside somewhere in maybe slightly different views of creation, whereas on, on some of the Protestant side of things that, uh, you know, there's this kind of total depravity, there's a, a fallen nature to everything um, versus kind of the Catholic understanding that, no, the goodness still resides. But am I on the right track with that? No, I very much agree. I think that and I think to how we understand God's agency, how he works in the world, you know, and. Since you mentioned, I think it's important, you know, that sacramental worldview. Now, when we're using it that way, it's it's an adjective, sacramental worldview, as opposed yeah. to a noun when we talk about the individual sacramentals. But when we look at the world that way, I really think of all the things, you know, because, of course, as Protestants and Catholics, we have a lot in common. But sure. the one thing that truly, I think, distinguishes us is is just that. It's our understanding that God mediates himself through his creation. You know, so mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, we understand he mediates his grace first and foremost through the sacraments, particularly the big seven, also to a lesser extent, but just as much through sacramentals. He mediates his teaching and authority through the church and its hierarchy. He mediates his beauty through architecture and art and statuary and music and all these things that we think of as particularly Catholic mm-hmm. um, are, in fact, our understanding of, you know, that it pleases God most to work with his creation. Yeah, um, exactly. and. And I think that um, early, well, I know that early on in the church, uh, you know, the, the the early Christians were wrestling with this, right? I mean, there were there were heresies that arose that saw kind of, kind of that the body was was evil and was meant to be sure. uh, neglected as much as possible and that sort of thing. But these were all condemned as heresies. So we are still recognize the the gift that it is that God has created us as physical beings. Uh, exactly, you know, and I think the church too also has to be aware of the reality of, you know, the possibility of idolatry or superstition, you know, to help form people so we don't fall into that. You know, we don't worship these images. We don't worship these sacramentals, but they're means to connect us to God's grace. And when we understand it that way, then it makes sense. I mean, everything God creates is meant to draw creation to himself. So, so of course, he would work through his creation. And in fact, I'd say 99% of the time, outside of those miraculous instances when he directly intervenes, most of the time God reaches out to the world to us through something. Mm. Even someone like Mary, the, you know, the message of the incarnation, God could have come to her directly, but it was more fitting and pleasing to him to send a messenger. His message was through the angel Gabriel, just like 
when he feeds the poor, it's through our charity. Just like when he reaches out to someone, it's oftentimes through the intervention of someone else. Mm-hmm. So just it, so it makes perfect sense that the grace that we so desperately need would be most normally accessed by through a sacramental understanding of God's grace, through the different things that we have and that we've been given by the church as means for us to be engaged and to have our relationship with God. Okay. Well, we'll follow up with that in just a moment, but let's invite our listeners to be part of this conversation. I'm guessing there's a lot of you out there who have a favorite sacramental. There's something that you're dedicated to that helps in your devotional life, helps draw you closer to the Lord. Give us a call and tell us what that is. Our number here on the Inner Life is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. And again, that number is 888-914-9149. Maybe you have questions about what uh, what sacramentals might be good to incorporate into our home or whether it's proper to have certain sacramentals in the home or in the family and that sort of thing. Again, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, you just mentioned a very important fact that I think we always have to underscore is that we're not worshiping these sacramentals. We're not, um, we're not uh, you know, setting them up as gods in our life, in our spiritual life, but rather, as you said, they're vehicles. But what is the proper attitude and respect that we should pay towards sacramentals without stepping over that line of you know, adoring and worshiping? Oh, yeah, so I'd say we see them as sacred things, you know, as sacred objects worthy of respect and to be treated differently than something which is every day you know so as we tell people if you have a blessed rosary or a statue or, or some sacred image you don't you know you don't throw it away like something normal when you're done with it or if it breaks or you see them as as reminders to us or conduits if you will of of god's grace i think mm-hmm. when it drifts into something different is when we were to see them as idols or gods themselves or i, I think more commonly in the modern world as sort of like talisman or superstitious type things that, you know, if I carry this around, then I'll have good luck for the day or I'll, yeah. you know, I can, something like that, which is, you know, but at the same time too, they certainly are th- objects which we can use for spiritual protection. So mm. it's, I think the big difference between superstition and devotion is seeing what's at work. Is it God himself and his grace or is it this, is it actually this object in some magical way, which is not right. the case, you know, so it's, all sacramentals are meant to to connect us through our mind, through our senses, in some way to God. Not to stop at the object, but to go beyond that to what's behind it. Right, right. And I think just to get down to maybe some very brass tacks here. So um, if our rosary should happen to break or if we should happen to spill some holy water or something on the floor... That uh, that doesn't. Uh, we shouldn't necessarily respond with um, despair and that sort of thing. <laughs> Correct. Yes, I mean, <laughs> okay. These are physical things, so they're not. Yeah, they're not everlasting. It's just again, you would treat it, you know, as you would treat, you know, like say like a family heirloom or something. You know, something that you understand to be important and sacred and an object of devotion. Right. Uh, so it's not that you know it's and of course, all of this is different than something like the Eucharist itself, which we do actually believe to be worth, you know, that is something that, that we worship. That is something we understand to be God himself, um, his sacramental presence versus all these other things, which are objects, you know, but again, anything which is used for sacred use should be treated with the respect that is due to what's behind it, which is to God himself. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe this is a good time to bring up the proper way of disposing of sacramentals, say if they are, if they're broken or if they're, uh, you know, if it's a book, then maybe it's torn or, you know, it's damaged in some way. 
And, you know, in the traditional ways, we basically have two good ways to do so. One is to bury the object um, underground, and, I, and, and the other is to burn the object so that it's no longer in its current state, mm. you know, so that it's burning as a way of respecting it, not as a way of, you know, destroying it. But to burn something, you know, like, for example, the palms from Palm Sunday, I often tell people, we can burn them in the Easter fire, you can bury them in your garden, just, you know, something more, more I'd say, dignified than throwing them in the garbage, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, one follow-up on that. My understanding is that blessed sacramentals are not to be sold either, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they can certainly be given and gifted, and mm-hmm. we obviously have to buy them initially. But then once they're purchased, you know, say you buy something for your child's first communion and then ask a priest to bless it, then it becomes something which is not to be you know, an object of of profit or anything like that, right? Yeah, right, absolutely. Our conversation today is on sacramentals with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala from Indianapolis, Indiana. We are talking again about sacramentals. If you have a favorite sacramental that you'd like to share with or a story about something that has happened with you in a sacramental and how the Lord has worked in that to draw you into a deeper relationship, give us a call, 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149, or email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Nick, who's calling in from Frankfort, Illinois. Nick, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you very much, and I hope you both are off to a great Lent, and pray for me that I continue a good Lent. Amen. I'll do the same. Will do. You know, I, I, this, I'd love your perspective on this, Father. I, I think of myself when I kind of come out of Mass, and I'm in the state of grace, and I dip my hand into that sacramental, the holy water, and I make the sign of the cross as I exit the church. I can actually be a living sacramental to the world in making that same sign of the cross. Maybe if I have a little bit of holy water with me, it, it, it really makes it officially a sacramental. But I like to look at ourselves having access to the greatest sacramental ever, and that's the sign of the cross. We, we, as Catholics, we make the sign of the cross for many reasons, predominantly because Satan flees from it. it it's, his, it's his sign of defeat. It's our victory. And when we proclaim that victory through the sign of the cross, that triune God, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think we make ourselves conscious of, of being children of God, and we profess to others when we make that sign of the cross, for instance, when we say grace at our meals out in public, that we are a living sacramental for this starving world for Jesus Christ. That is exactly right, and it's a beautiful perspective. As you know, as I said, to be a sacramental ourselves to the world, all that means is that we're a conduit of God's grace to the world. And when we you know, when we're filled up with that grace from the Eucharist, when we engage in the sacramentals, holy water, those things that 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 continue to give us that access to that grace, then we are then called to bring it, just as you said, into the world. And mm-hmm. to be reminded that the people that we reach out to, the people we encounter, the best thing we can do in this life is to allow God to work through us in whatever he wants to do with those people, be it to feed them or to introduce them to Christ or to call them to, you know, to, to that relationship with him. Like I said, that's 99.9% of the time. That's how he interacts with his creation. It's through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Nick, thank you for the, thank you for the call. Thank you for the uh, great insight into there and the making the sign of the cross and what a privilege it is to be able to do that. And that's something that we're, um, yeah, we're really given to and given over to as Catholics. I know in teaching kids, it's a, 
our Catholic school and in CCD. That's one of the things that I, we may take for granted, but it's uh, something that's incredibly important. So thank you for that, Nick. Appreciate it. Let's now, let's now go to Monica calling in from the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Monica, thank you for calling into the Inner Life. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'm driving right now, so can you hear me okay? Yep, just fine. Thanks. Okay. Um, I was given a sacramental last year um, from a friend. It was a three-inch crucifix, and it had been rather worn, um, which just made me feel like it had a lot of um, um, prayers within it. And I was diagnosed with lung cancer, so that is why she gave it to me. Um, I, when I go to bed at night, I would take the crucifix and just lay it on my lungs that I knew had the cancer and just kept saying, um, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. And it, it was, I could almost feel it um, burning his healing into me. And um, it ended up, well, they did end up taking my half of my left lung, but I had no chemo, no radiation. And I just believe all the prayers um, that were uh, contained with me holding this crucifix had so much to do with it. And I still take it with me every night when I go to sleep. Story And praise be to God. You know, I think just like you said, that these we're human beings, we're physical, embodied, um, created by God. So we understand, you know, objects and touching things and holding something and it, it really engages us on a human physical level i think in some ways even better than just sort of the ethereal you know just prayer and you know people that are praying for you that's wonderful but but to have something physical you can hold on to to help direct your prayer to help focus your prayer like a crucifix like you talked about that's a that's a as beautiful a definition of a sacramental as i can think of something which engages us in our physicality, in who we are as human beings. Mm. It's so good and so true. Thank you, Monica. What a great story. And if you have a testimony that you'd like to share about a sacramental and what it's meant to you in terms of ushering you into a deeper trust in the Lord, give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Maybe you're making good on Father Rocky's own phrase, of course. Keep a rosary in your pocket and you'll have Christ in your heart. There's a connection there with that sacramental. Give us a call. Tell us your story, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back with more of the conversation with Father Tim Wichiscala coming up right after this. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening. My name is Patrick Conley. And if your Lent is off to a eh, mediocre to poor start, I'll tell you one way you can really supercharge your Lent is by checking out Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You can find that. There's a huge banner right at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Click and sign up to receive these short videos explaining the Mass. You may think you know 
uh, a lot that there is to know about the mass, but I'm betting that you're going to learn something every one that you watch. It's just a great little introduction to all the ins and outs of the mass. So check it out at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Talking about sacramentals today here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala. And calling in now is Rick from northwestern Indiana. Rick, Rick, welcome to The Inner Life. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, so I was talking to the lady before. Um, I'm a, I was a Protestant. I'm a convert. And when I started and I tried to learn the rosary, it was, it was really difficult. I could only do maybe three or four at a time and couldn't even make it through a decade. And now I do two to three rosaries a day. Um, And I think the difference is the rosary beads themselves. Like having the rosary in my hand is almost like a stress reliever. It's almost like a squishy ball. You know, I have some rosaries that are, have knots in them and I can, I can kind of squeeze them and, or the beads I'm feeling my way through the rosary. And I can, it's like, I can feel myself progressing through the prayer and I can see the progression, you know, as I'm praying and You know, when I was a Protestant, I always thought, well, isn't there some kind of prayer I can have that I could, like, pray and just see an effect from it? And that's the rosary. And I think as Protestants, we didn't have anything that you could hold or touch while you were praying. You know, you just folded your hands, you prayed. But when you have the rosary, it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, it's it's like you can, it's like a stress reliever. It's like meditation. It's all those things included because you're physically touching it, you know, and I do, I do it when I'm driving. Um, and I can just go through, you know, with my offhand, I can go through the whole prayer and feel each each one of those beads. And I don't know, there's just this physical connection to my prayer that I think is why I do it so much. I, I never used to pray that much, but now, like I said, I'll do two a day, sometimes three. And it's because I just, have that physical connection, you know, and wow. it's just, uh, you know, like it's extremely comforting, those beads, I guess. Mm. And that's beautiful. I mean, that's, yeah, that's just what we were talking about that, you know, we are a faith of the incarnation, you know, that the, that our physical self is not bad, that it's something which God wants to engage. And as you said, is we need, we really need that as human beings. You know, it's, you know, there are some, there are some spiritual masters, true mystics that, you know, perhaps can do everything entirely, you know, sort of mystically or mentally, but just to, to have something to hold on to, to have something that we can go to as an, you know, as, as an object like that. And the rosary, you know, the rosary is, I would say, sort of the, the, the best example, the most famous example of a sacramental. Mm-hmm. And it has everything. You know, as you said, you can feel yourself progressing. You can feel the beads that keep track of the prayers that all are sort of are lending themselves so you can meditate on the mysteries and meditate on asking Mary to pray for you to be closer to her son. You know, it all leads towards Christ. So it's it's sort of the ultimate example of a sacramental, I think, when we think about him. But, yeah, thanks for that call. That was great. Yeah, Rick, thank you. Thank you for your testimony on that. And we're really grateful that the rosary has come to mean so much to you. It has to me as well, as I, too, came from a Protestant tradition. So thank you. Thank you for the call, Rick. Appreciate it. Father, one of the questions that I think oftentimes comes up is the whole idea of blessing or getting a blessed sacramental or getting a sacramental blessed, a religious article of some sort, be it a rosary or a crucifix or a holy image or something like that. What's involved in a blessing and how should we go about seeking one? Yeah. So anytime we have an object that we're going to use for some devotion, you know, like a sacramental, I think it's always good 
if you're able to, to have it blessed. You know, you, you, you can buy a rosary and use it to pray. And if it's never been blessed, it's, it's fine. You know, it's still a, it's still a sacramental you're engaging in, but when the object is blessed, it gives it a certain, you know, a certain sacredness that again, just assists towards accessing that grace from God. And the way you do that is very simple. You simply bring the object to your local parish and find a priest. If there's not a priest around, you can also ask a deacon. Permanent deacons can, um, especially through the rites given in the Book of Blessings, can bless objects as well for devotional use. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and the, there are <clears throat> many of these things. So there are sort of set blessings for rosaries. There are blessings for images of Christ, crucifixes. But the priest, you know, can also, just as so long as he conveys that he is giving a priestly blessing to make this object sacred. Oftentimes they'll do that, you know, right when you hand them to them. I have people approach me often after mass sometimes holding a rosary, sure. asking me to, you know, to bless it. And it's it's a deep part of our tradition. You know, there is, again, I think in some traditions there's a fear that if we have blessed objects that'll be used for superstition. But keep in mind that we do believe to a certain extent that after the fall, that this world was turned over to the evil one. That's why he. Re- that's why Christ calls him the Lord of this world. Mm. And that's why he's able to tempt Christ by saying, "I'll give you this world which was given to me." When we bless something, well, you know, when we're baptized, for example, we are removed from that, from his kingdom, and put into the kingdom of Christ. When an object is blessed, you know, to make it holy, it is also then removed from the world in a sense and made a, a part of that kingdom of God. You know, I mm-hmm. think. Not to get too much into that, but I think that's why an exorcist would tell you that, you know, that those who are possessed have such an aversion to blessed things because it's Mm. it's now a part of this kingdom of God. It's now something which is even more so able to be a conduit of God's grace. And so, you know, we so a rosary that is blessed not only helps us pray the rosary, but then also gives us something that constantly reminds us that we're that we're, we're a part of God's kingdom. His grace can be given to us through these things. And in a spiritual sense, not to overly spiritualize it, but it protects us from evil influence. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's with holy water, with rosaries, with all those things. That's why it's always good to have blessed objects in the home and to have them with you. Yeah. And blessings themselves are considered sacramentals, right, Father? Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, and one more thing that I was speaking with uh, Nick, our producer, through the break of, too, is that my wife and I, as I said, came into the Catholic Church from a Protestant tradition. So we were not married in the Catholic Church. We were married before we became Catholic, but we had our wedding rings blessed and coming into the church. Since I know that that's part of the nuptial mass, um, but it uh, might be a good idea for Rick or other listeners who, um, if you're married and have come into the church, that that might be a good uh, reminder, good blessing Indeed. to have as well. Yeah, That's a good point, that, that the sacrament of marriage also has sacramentals a part of it, you know, that will bless the rings or bless, you know, in other traditions, other things that people have to represent their union. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go now to Ken calling in from Joliet, Illinois. Ken, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Yes, good morning. I have a question uh, for Father, actually. Uh, I, like yourself, I'm a convert to the faith. I grew up in a Baptist tradition and spent most of my lifetime in that. And I'm thinking, I try to talk to my other family members who are all Protestant, and I feel kind of like that perhaps the sacramentals, that whole idea of sacramentals is kind of a stumbling block to non-Catholic believers. Is that, have you ever encountered that issue? Yeah. Again, I think that because of the, because of the notion that it leads towards idolatry um, and it's, 
you know, it's very much a part of the Reformation was a sort of rejection, especially in the later Reformation, a rejection of the, of the, you know, the physical elements of the faith and the, you know, the God mediating himself through these things rather than just directly to us. So, yeah, I, I think it can be a stumbling block. Mm. And I think it's too, it's like, it's always good just to, you know, to engage that on the sense of, you know, to remind them that, no, we're not worshiping these objects, you know, these statues, for example. But, you know, just to ask them something as simple as, do you have a picture of a deceased loved one in your home, of a grandparent or someone that's gone before that you keep a picture of them so you can have a visual reminder of them, you know, and stay in some sense, stay connected to them by seeing them. I think an image of someone of a saint or an image of Christ himself is meant to be just that, you know, acknowledging that we are, that we have sight and that it helps us to be reminded of things when we see them, um, you know, is in again, just to, you know, to, to talk about that, as Patrick said at the beginning, the whole idea that the world itself broken as it is by sin is not is not completely evil you know that it's still created by god and thus god can still use it and use things in the world to convey his grace mm. ken just going back to you for a second too um based on what father just said does that make sense and does that seem to be like something you could use in your conversation with your protestant family members yes patrick it's very helpful i think possibly what is is also uh tro- problematic is the fact that when family members speak to older Catholics, like let's say cradle Catholics, and they introduce things like, well, if I say so many, you know, Hail Marys or whatever, I'll get an indulgence and Uh, things like that. That can be a problematic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I I think too, a lot of it really does just stem from misunderstandings, you know, and I think, because even indulgences have a, a very rich tradition. There's a lot there, that, and they're a beautiful and good thing, especially when they're properly understood. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say that any of these things can't be used for superstitious purposes. You know, there's a, there's always that possibility. But but uh, but when when properly understood and when properly under explained in my in my experience, even with um, some pretty ardent, you know. Uh, Protestants that that you know that we would call from a not anti-Catholic but just have a much different understanding of that. That it's usually something which is pretty well understood when it's when the when all those misconceptions are cleared up. You know that we don't believe that just because you're holding a rosary doesn't mean that you know that every sin you commit doesn't count or something like that. Or if you have a statue of of, of Jesus in your house, then you get to go to heaven and no one else does. All those kind of things um, from some misunderstandings, but. In honest conversation, I find it's usually the stumbling block is is not as big as we think it is. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point too, Father. Appreciate that, Ken. I also appreciate the call. Great points, and uh, I do think that yeah, we we need to be uh, open and honest, but at the same time to be uh, respectful of where the tradition that they're coming from as well. So thanks, Ken. I appreciate your listening and I appreciate your call as well. Well, Father, one of the things that uh, I want to get into, maybe uh, we'll take a short break here in just a moment, but uh, another thing that I want to get into is kind of some of the some of the specific sacramentals and how we might be utilizing them in our families, in our uh, in our places of work, perhaps, and something like that, and then and what what they can actually do to help us grow, draw nearer to the Lord. Speaking today about sacramentals with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala, pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. If you have questions about usage of 
sacramentals or a great story to share about how a sacramental has really been a vehicle for God's grace and presence in your life, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, relevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break. When we come back, more of the conversation on sacramentals with Father Tim Wojciechowski coming up right after this. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sendovich, our producer, and Miranda Sinisero taking your phone calls today. And uh, if you have not yet checked out Father Rocky's Eucharistic Encounter videos, that's another thing you want to check out, too. Every week, you get a new story about the Eucharist. Some of those have been absolutely amazing to see the way that the Lord, in His real presence to us in the Blessed Sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, has come through in some amazing ways in Father Rocky's life and in other people's lives that he has heard of and knows. Uh, so check that out at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Talking today about sacramentals here on The Inner Life Today with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala. And if you have a story about a favorite sacramental or if you have a question about how the proper usage of sacramentals, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Let's now go back to the phone. Sal is calling in again from Clovis, California. Good morning, Sal. Thanks for calling in. Hey, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, first off, thank God for the Catholic Church, and thank God for the relevant radio. But anyway, my question is, Father, is a few years ago my wife passed away, and I temporarily moved to a different Catholic Church because it was closer to home. But anyway, I got introduced to the Seven Sorrows Rosary, and they were saying it one day a week. At first, I had to ask the priest, was it was it a legitimate rosary? And he explained what it was. But anyway, my question now is, when I don't get around to saying my seven sorrows rosary uh, after I say my regular rosary, uh, I was just curious. Uh, maybe I'm grasping at too many uh, things, trying to get over my grief right away from losing my wife. And I'm grasping at trying to go to mass every day, which is fine. But anyway, just my question is, should I feel guilty about not saying the seven sorrows rosary now? You know, it, <clears throat> I think uh, the answer, the simple answer to that would be if you miss it on a day or you're unable to get to it in a day, the answer would be no. You know, we we can certainly set goals for ourselves as far as, like you said, daily mass attendance and a rosary every day or a two, ro you know, a rosary and then a seven sorrows rosary. But if we're unable to do that, I think it's not that God wants us God doesn't want these things to be a source of anxiety to us, you know, that, oh, if I don't get this done, I'm going to be, you know, then I'm going to be upset or it's, I should feel bad. I think to set positive goals like that or things that we, that we would like to do and then to try to do them, but always to see it as something as an opportunity so that if it doesn't happen, you know, we might think for whatever reason it didn't happen, you know, that it's, that it's not necessarily that I've sinned because I haven't done this, you know, with, especially for these extra things that we can do. Um, but just that you didn't have the opportunity and you can do it again tomorrow. So as I said, you know, the point of sacramentals is not, you know, not, the, you know, these certain 
hurdles that we have to get through every day to have a good day, but rather opportunities to access God's grace. And any time we can do that is good. Yeah. Very good, Father. Thank you for that. Sal, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate the question. And it's something I think that plagues all of us from time to time. Yeah, we miss out on some specific prayer that we try to say every day. And yeah, there's that little twinge of guilt that comes in there. But I uh, maybe perceive it as just a, an invitation from the Lord to draw back into that and to uh, to try it again tomorrow. Yeah, so thank you, Sal. Appreciate the question. Father, I wanted to ask specifically, um, one of the things that we encounter every time we enter a Catholic church, say, is holy water. Can you just give us a quick explanation of what is holy water? Yeah, so holy water is the sacramental that is meant, again, to allow us to be blessed by God and to remind us of our baptism and to be, you know, to, to be protected from evil. So it is water, which has been blessed for that, for that purpose. And, you know, in most churches, you'll find it, you know, you'll find always a, a baptismal font, which has holy water in it, but then also fonts that you can dip your fingers into and to bless yourself. And then of course, in most churches, you'll find a, a dispenser of some sort that you can take holy water home. Yeah. Um, and and again, I think the water is obvious there because of the connection to baptism, because of the connection to, you know, to to purity and to, you know, being cleansed. Um, and it is it's in being reminded of our baptism. We access that grace, you know, that that we received on that day that we continue to carry with us. And so I mm-hmm. think people can take holy water to, you know, to to bless their homes with, to sprinkle around the home or simply to have it home so that you can bless yourself with it. Yeah. Well, you anticipated my next question, Father, which would be, um, yeah, what's the proper usage of it at home if we should bring it home? I know that you can purchase holy water, little holy water fonts to put near your your doors, say, or something like that. So that all that's appropriate. Yes, of course. You know, just long as you still treat it as something sacred, you know, so you don't necessarily bring it home and put it in the fridge and drink it later. But but, but rather you have it as something <laughs> as something which is just like you use it at church, you know, to bless yourself with the sign of the cross after dipping your fingers or sprinkling it around the house, especially if you buy a new house or if, you know, it's your practice to renew a blessing of a place. It's always good if you can to have your home blessed by your priest, if, mm-hmm. if he's able to be there, if he's able to do that. But, um, you know, if if that it's also possible for for the laity to exercise in that by by having holy water themselves to sprinkle it around their homes. There's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Sure. Okay. Very good. Thank you for that. Um, and is uh, holy salt is now that's a uh, that's another sacramental. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that is something I think which kind of fell out of favor for a while, but I'm starting to see it more as far as people bringing salt to be blessed. You know, and it's it, people might be confused by that, but. Water is a pretty obvious symbol because of baptism, because it purifies salt, especially in the ancient world, was also a fairly obvious symbol of something which preserved, you know, which mm-hmm. pre- which protected from rot and decay. You know, Jesus uses the image often, you are the salt of the world. Um, it was very valuable. It was seen as precious. Um, you know, they were even paid in salt. That's where the word salary comes from. But, uh, but so when salt is blessed, much like holy water, it is... In, you know, it symbolizes um, that which preserves, that which protects from rot, and it can be sprinkled around. It can be used, particularly it was used um, to protect against evil as far as evil influences. In the old rite of baptism, the baby's uh, lips were blessed with salt, mm. um, and certainly it's used in the rite of exorcism. But but even now, if salt is blessed, it can be mixed with holy water. You know, it doesn't have to be, but it can be. 
or it can be kept for much the same way that holy water is kept. It's just okay. an older and perhaps not as widely used uh, tradition now, but still perfectly fine. But again, probably not one to go in your salt shaker for di- for the Correct. dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> okay. to season your food. No. Yes. No. That's right. <laughs> well, we are the salt of the earth. Dead. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Thank you for that, Nick. Yes, appreciate that. Yeah, very good. I like it. All right, very good. Let's talk a little bit about uh, religious images. So, um, so this could be something like an icon, certainly, but it also could be just a, a painting or. Even maybe a photograph of a favorite statue from your, I mean, are are these considered sacramentals as well? Yeah, again, anything, any image that draws through the sense of our sight, us to something higher, you know, to be reminded of a saint that we're devoted to, that we're asking prayers from, or to be reminded directly of God, you know, and it's certainly in the Eastern church, especially this tradition of icons is, is very rich. And, um, but, uh, you know, but statuary as well. And, any of those things that you know that you can have it's it's kind of you know it, when you drive through a neighborhood you can always tell the catholics cuz they'll have either mary or an angel or saint francis in their garden or something or <laughs> yep, something yep. like that you know that's <laughs> the idea there is to be a constant reminder to us uh, of these things mm-hmm. and uh, again objects of devotion um, themselves are not objects of worship but rather to elevate the mind to what they represent you know i, mm-hmm. I, I, I in the um advertisement I was hearing for that pilgrimage to Poland that you guys are doing, I heard them talk about the Our Lady of Czestochowa, which is a very famous icon image. I know that John Paul II himself had a great devotion to it and would carry that, not the actual icon, of course, but carry an image of it with him always, you know, so that in his prayer could help focus his mind, you know, through the prayers of Mary and these things for us as well. Um, I have a particularly, I'm, I very much like the image of um, the Divine Mercy, you know, mm. where the two rays are coming out of Christ's heart. We have one here in our church. I have one in my in my rectory, and it's just something that, you know, to constantly be reminded of not only the need for Christ's mercy, but the abundance of it. Mm. Yeah, Those very good. Sacramentals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's very good. Let's go back to the phones. Karen is calling in from Rowan, o- Royal Oak, Michigan. I'll get it out, Karen. There you go. Karen, welcome Hi. to The Inner Life. Thanks for oh. calling. Hello. Yes, thanks for having me. Um, I am a cradle Catholic and come from a long line of Catholic family. Um, However, I'm kind of at the end of it, unfortunately. And um, my grandparents and my mother and I have handed down to me like all of their prayer cards, prayer cards with relics. I have a box, a small box with these little crucifixes in them. I have you know, pictures of Jesus that, you know, they have, they had on their walls in their house. And some of these things I'm, I'm going to keep, um, but I don't know what to do with them. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what to do with them besides maybe burn them or, you know, cause I can only have so much. And I don't, um, I asked at my church, I asked the secretary and they were like, don't bring them here. We have a lot of that stuff. And, and they didn't really give me good direction on what to do with them. <laughs> You know, I think that, as you said, to, you know, to properly dispose, especially ones that might be, you know, pretty ripped up or not, you know, not in in great condition to burn or even just to bury a little box of them. Um, And it's always it's always okay as well to bury them with, you know, with loved ones, you know, especially if they belong, you know, when my grandmother died, for example, a rosary, a crucifix, an image was buried with her um, just, you know, as another way to, you know, to sort of signify the sacredness of the, of the body, but also to properly dispose of. So, as I said, 
you know, to if you can't find someone to give them to, which is probably the best option, especially if they're still in good condition, um, you know, to gift them or to, to to give them away. You can also always bury them. Even it doesn't have to be you know ten feet down or anything. Just a small, just under the ground, or as you said, you know, to sort of reverently burn them so that they are no longer that that they no longer have the appearance of what they were. They're now you know ashes to be properly disposed of. Mm, yeah. Good question, Karen, and I I'd assume that that's true, Father. For you know, as uh, as soon as we start getting on Catholic mailing lists, then suddenly people start sending us things like medallions and rosaries and things like that in the mail. Would that be something similar in terms of what we should do with those items? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's and you don't know if they're all blessed or not. But right. anytime you know we have a sacred image, it's I don't know. There's just something I, I have a hard time with throwing away an image of Christ or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Into the rubbish. So it just kind of seems like. Yeah, you know, it's a more reverent thing to do to have some sort of, you know, sort of semi-solemn way to get rid of it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I want to go back to one of the things that we touched on already, Father, but maybe make it slightly more explicit. And that's the protection that uh, blessed holy objects, holy sacramentals can give to us specifically. I'm, I'm basing this somewhat off of an email that came in from Bob who says that uh, he was struggling with a particular sin and he began he, he began praying the entire 15, now 20 decades of the rosary to honor a lady during the month of May. He said he felt so blessed by it, he decided to make it a permanent part of his prayer life. And uh, his intention was against, you know, acting out in this specific sin. And since uh, he said that since June of that year, he's not he's not done it. He's not. Uh, so protection against the evil one. Maybe talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, and it's, and again, we don't want to necessarily over, over spiritualize every action. It's not that every time we sin, the devil made us do it, or every you know. But but we do acknowledge and believe in a spiritual reality to things, and we do believe in the influence of, of the evil one and his fallen angels, who, you know, who who themselves try to mediate themselves through things to draw us away from God or to you know to you know towards temptations, and. Asking for God's grace and help and protection against those, especially through the saints, you know, and through sacramentals, mm-hmm. is a great way for that to happen. A very famous one is a Medal of Saint Benedict, yeah. which traditionally is blessed by a Benedictine. Uh, if you're able to find a Benedictine priest, it doesn't have to be, but that's the tradition. And again, it has a sort of prayer of protection against the evil one that's on the on the medal itself, or crucifixes or you know images of saint michael any of those things not that these are magical objects again that are you know bring us good luck but but these are are objects that connect us to god's grace which is a you know the way that we're protected from negative you know spiritual temptations and uh, spiritual attacks Mm -hmm. which are you know which are a reality in our faith yeah yeah and just in about the uh, little over a minute we've got before we ask for your blessing, Father, I wanted to also ask about specifically things that we might wear. I'm thinking specifically of medallions we might wear around our neck, of scapulars, of maybe wear a crucifix around our neck and that sort of thing. Um, what are what are the right and the wrong ways of, of viewing these objects? You know, I think the only wrong way to view those would be if we're wearing it purely for aesthetic, you know, as like jewelry mm-hmm. um, and and or if we're using it only to, you know, to be a to, sh- to sh- show off, as it were, or look how holy I am because I have all these medals yeah. when we're wearing them for our, you know, for our own reminder, for our own edification, for ourselves. It's, it's even OK if people see them as a witness you know it's just it's just to ask for that you know to see it in a humble way that i need this and this helps me 
then all those things, the scapular, the a crucifix around the neck, um, I think are, are great ways for us to constantly carry with us these reminders of God's grace and ways that we can access God's grace. Yeah, yeah, and it is a good reminder, and, and uh, I know in my own practice that that's, that's definitely the case, is it's always something that's there, whether it be the rosary in the pocket or the medallion around the neck. Yeah, it's that's right. great reminder and a great encouragement in living out our Catholic faith. Father, this has been a fascinating discussion on sacramentals, and I'm sure that uh, we didn't get all, to all the callers that called in. I'm sure there's plenty of stories out there about uh, people who have utilized sacramentals well in a non-superstitious way, but recognizing that God is giving his grace in and through those sacramentals. So I appreciate you being our spiritual director today. As always, we'd like to close the show with a blessing. May we ask that of you now, please? Of course, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon all these, your listeners, who on this day during this Friday in Lent are making their way towards Easter. We ask you to purify their hearts and minds and to continue to shed your grace upon them. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's Father Tim Wichiscala. He's been our spiritual director today. Is talking about sacramentals. Some very interesting stuff there. I hope it was edifying to you and encouraging to you as you head into this weekend of the first Sunday of Lent. Hey, we're off on our Lenten journey. And are you grateful? Well, I hope so. But even if you need a little help in your gratitude, join us on Monday. That'll be our topic for the show, Gratitude, with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Our celebrant today is Father Brian Belongi. So I hope you can stay tuned for that as well. Have a great weekend. Until next time, grace and peace.